I'm Frederick Gerton, and I'm the filmmaker. And I'm Leilani Farha, and I'm the advocate. So, we are back, and this is like episode 21. Could you imagine when we started that would be, that would be actually a 21st episode? No, never thought so. And we're not sick of each other yet, oh. are we? Maybe it's this, <laughs> the distance is good for our relation, you know? <laughs> That's right. Just the airwaves. for a long time. <laughs> There's actually some good news here. We, oh. we just reached uh, country number 90. So we have audience in 90 countries following us. Fantastic. Which was country number 90? It was Pakistan. So welcome Amazing. to our listener. Our listener, I think still it's only one. Just one. But, <laughs> but, so, but remember, if, you're, if you have friends in countries that don't listen to us, tell them. And also tell them to invite friends. We also actually have almost like a league. Most listeners in Sweden, mm. number two, United Kingdom. And then Canada, number three. But the U.S. is always, sometimes, sometimes, you know, I'll call you say, oh, now today the U.S. passed you. So Canadians, if you want to keep the, the Americans behind, you better shape up. And you step up, Canada. And you and you, <laughs> the f our f dear friends in the United States, do you really think that a small country like Canada should be have more? Can't work out anyway. That's so right. One tenth the of the size. We are one tenth the size of the USA. Come on. Yeah. The whole idea is to to bring in friends to the podcast because we don't have any money to produce it. So and we don't have any promotional resources. So our resources are. You, our friends. Then we have the a fifth country in listeners, and that's a country that is competing with the Netherlands of being number five, but it's actually Germany. So, with listeners in Germany, we are actually going to have a Berlin special today. And we have then, of course, also a special guest, and that's Florian Schmidt, who was a part of Push the Film. So, welcome to Pushback Talks, uh, Florian. Hi. Welcome. We've been saying so many times that Berlin is like the leader in, in the world in, in fighting back. So how, how, what is the atmosphere right now in Berlin? This weekend, again, we had um, big mobilizations on the streets against uh, a, a big company from Sweden right now who, who, who's buying uh, like 4,000 flats in the city with fresh... Um, money from the financial market so still a lot of activities in the neighborhoods and still a lot of networks in civil society on the other hand i think people are a little bit proud of what politics did in the last years because of that kind of yes mobilizations and strong acclamations of civil society so i think it's people are hoping that things will get better on the one hand, but they still know that this is a fight um, that has not ended yet and there are a lot of things to do. It's, it is really interesting. You know, Leilani, the, the, the company, the Swedish company, actually with a Norwegian owner mm. buying into Berlin now, is called Heimstaden. And they have their headquarters just one block away from where I live and they own a lot of buildings in, in my neighborhood. And you can see when they do the renovation, they come with a crane and they put like a, 
uh, you know, metal barrel, and then they just they empty an apartment in in thirty minutes, and then they go in and and then they put in new kitchens so they can so they can put up the rent. So they, they, it's like a machine. And when we were in the Czech Republic, we were told that Heimstaden had bought 44,000 apartments in the Czech Republic from Blackstone. So it's, I think it's really cool that, that we keep sharing information with each other, you, the activists in Berlin and Barcelona and around the world, to understand what's going on. Because it's, it's, it's kind of it's big energy. And Florian, uh, in the push the film and in in our podcast, we talked a lot about the big, the biggest private equity fund in the world, Blackstone. There was a story in a German magazine Tagesspiegel yesterday or today, and the story is about Blackstone is one of the bigger owners of housing in Berlin, but nobody knew about it. Can you tell us about that? Well, I, I'm not the, the, the one expert on, on Blackstone and all that stuff, but um, I think we, we have a lot of fine research on that issue in the, in the last year. And today, really, or yesterday, was published a new, a new research, and it becomes more clearer that Blackstone is, is really a, a kind of um, tax avoidance um, project that means they have a, a complex system of how to to avoid paying taxes, and this is their big business. They're not so much in maybe um, we want to to modernize houses, we want to build houses, but they invest money and then they don't pay the tax. And we we don't ha didn't have any information about this company before these researchers. So one of the main problems of Germany is that maybe in other countries as well, I, I guess, uh, that that kind of secretness of um, who is the prop the owner of a property, and what does what is his background, his financial background, and what is happening behind the scenes. So you actually don't know who owns your house. You know what, what do you say yeah. about that, Leilani? Yeah, I mean, they, they call it beneficial ownership. So you might be able to find out that your house or your home or your unit is owned by some corporation and its number, you know, corporation number 13759. Um, but you don't actually know who owns that corporation. And I've been asked a lot, well, does it really matter? And of course, the answer is it matters in so many ways. I mean, it matters for the individual tenant because they want to know, especially at a time of economic instability, I mean, like right now in this pandemic, they want to know who is it that I would talk to if I run into problems with my rent and, and uh, in my life, you know. But then there's also the issue, and I think this is so interesting, this case of Blackstone not paying tax, because governments are saying having these investors come into our country is really important for the economy. How is it important for the economy? The tenants are paying tax and the owner is not paying any tax on the profits that they're making off of the tenants. How does that benefit Germany? How does that benefit the city of Berlin? Well, I, I think it's uh, in the center of the debate in Berlin as well, this kind of um, argumentation that we need investors, so let them come in. And the problem is they... The, the, the real estate lobbyist, they using a classical argument of how to push an economy 
and they mix it with these classical economy argument that it might also be difficult, this argument that we need investors to come in to create jobs. Man, this is also a difficult argument for cities that makes them um, doing strange things, let's say, using this argument for um, the, the investment in existing buildings is really not, not right because the aim is not to create anything. The aim is only to, to make money with it and at, la at least um, people need to pay this with their rents. Sometimes it's not um, paying it with their rents but paying it with the life quality because they, they buy the houses but they do not invest. They, they take out money but they, the houses go down in the, in the quality of whatever the public space, uh, the, the really big complexes of buildings from the 70s and big companies buy it and then they do not invest anything else. But Leilani, you, you are looking into this because in the Tagesspiegel there it's, it's a very, it's, it's very nice graphic. You should find that story because it's, I mean, and you can translate it if you, don't, if you can't read German. Did you count how many companies you need to have before you to own one building in Berlin? Yeah, 18, it appears. 18 different holding companies. And I haven't done the full analysis, but I certainly read the article. And there's a beautiful graphic to show. It's ridiculous. I mean, come on. Blackstone has it legally based in Delaware, which is like a tax haven within the U.S. Mm -hmm. And then it, it went somewhere to the Cayman, was it? Or, That's you know, it's right, like yeah. Cayman Islands. And then you go to, I mean, so it's, it, it jumps from tax haven to tax haven. Yeah. And and then and, and the amazing story for the people in Berlin is that they they really it, it's hard to know who owns their house. And what I understand there was activists in Berlin actually gathering information where people sent pay their their rent. So they had been really trying to monitor who owns our city. And I think that's a, that's a recommendation to people everywhere around the world. Try to map your own city. Who are the new owners? Because I think we need to communicate that this, there is a takeover of our cities. And this is something we're talking about. I, I don't know if this in other cities is, does exist like this, but there is re really a, an interesting cooperation between activism, scientists, some foundations, political foundations, t with media as well, to find out who's the owner of, of, the, of the houses, of the cities, of the, of the neighborhoods. And I think what is now growing in Berlin is, a, is this critical consciousness, also the consciousness that this is a, a question of data, that uh, of knowledge and of um, and not only laws, not new laws, but also of that we want to know what is our city. And this consciousness makes us, maybe it opens a way that polit politics is not only fighting against concrete bad situations, but also to change the philosophy of what should be the real estate, the real estate issue. It's also my, my, my own, let's say, my change in my thinking in the last four years, because at the beginning it was like we have to fight like crazy. And now we, had, we did really things in Berlin. And everyone says, okay, here things work different. But now what is on the long run the issue? What is the, what, on the long run, how do we want to, to design our city? Um, and not only with new buildings, but referring to what 
is the, the existing structure of the city. And this is interesting because, uh, you know, Florian, you, you are an elected official in Kreuzberg Friedrichshain in Berlin, which is a neighborhood with almost 280,000 inhabitants. So it's like it's, it's like it's, it's a real city. And you can see on the map that you have all the global players coming in there. So Blackstone had a lot of houses, Hempstaden, Achelius, and of course a lot of uh, big German entities. So you, you can see this influx of investments. The movement has been really strong in Berlin. And so you actually managed to get the new legislation, this rent cap legislation which is like Berlin was like first. And I can see that both Denmark and, and now Catalonia has been very inspired by the example from, from Berlin. And I hope more cities around the world. Is this enough? I mean, because it's a five-year rent cap. Have you been able to, to freeze the situation a bit? What is the result? Well, there is first results, but we also have to, to be conscious that rent cap is now... In the, in the first um, level, and it will be enter in the second level in November, so in some weeks. And then next year, the constitutional will judge if this uh, law is okay or not. Um, maybe they say in parts it's okay, in other parts it's not okay. The first level was we freeze the new contract rents. The next level is we, we, we make them, the existing contracts rents, we put them down. So this is really a little bit revolutionary because to put a rent down is like, what? It cannot be possible. And people really, and I was in Barcelona in <laughs> this year in January, I think, and really people said, what, what, what's going on in Germany? Um, they could not believe it. And we're, everybody's really has heart beating. Um, about this issue, if, if the constitutional says it's okay to put rents down. Let's see. Let's see what happened. And then, of course, it's five years. We, we can make it more years, but I don't think it could be forever. So there is a necessity to, to make the whole thing good. Yeah. Uh, what is your reflection, yeah. Leilani? I have a, a couple of reflections. I love. I I have been watching this um, idea of the reduction of rents, uh, as it's like a percentage of uh, square, you know, cost per square meter being reduced. And I was trying to argue the very same thing, but only in the context of the pandemic. I was suggesting to the government of Canada and other governments that during the pandemic we must reduce rents based on household income because no one has any money. I mean, so many people are underemployed or unemployed. And just in the context of the pandemic, I was getting complete pushback. And in Berlin, you're suggesting for all the time it, as a reality. And so I love it. And I'm keeping my eye really closely on this because it's, a, it's super important. One of the things I keep being told is that it's very difficult in certain jurisdictions to try to lower rents lower than what is considered the value of the property. And so, in other words, that you're playing with what they call valuation. It's a technical term, but so it's super important if it goes through in Berlin because it shows that there is a government willing to, um, to poke 
holes at what the market value of a property actually is, that it should be based on who's living there and what they can afford, affordability, not based on some crazy market. I think it's interesting because the constitutional um, first, his, the first um, question of the constitutional now is if Berlin is allowed to do it or if not, the German federal government must do it. So the question about is it right to reduce the rent is not so much in the focus right now, but more if the city of Berlin, the city-state of Berlin can really do kind, that kind of stuff. I've, but of, of course then also this, well, this property issue will, will be in the center of the debate. And, it, and this is what is already happening. But uh, the, the people are, they, they like it. So even people from conservative parties like it. So I think this experiment, even if the constitutional says, okay, Berlin could not have done it like this, it, it, will, it will have some effects on the, on the consciousness, the political consciousness of everybody. And we have elections next year, uh, federal elections, also Berlin elections the same day also district elections, <laughs> all the same day in September. So it, it will be really interesting next year what, what happens and what kind of government we'll have in, in all these levels. Mm. The other thing I wanted to raise, just if I, if I might, is I, you were say, talking about how this, in order to make the kind of changes you're trying to do in Berlin, it's taken activists, it's taken the media, scientists, academics, um, grant makers, you know, funding bodies, foundations, etc. And I think that's uh, a lesson well learned for, for so many advocates around the world are trying to go up against these same kinds of patterns and actors, whether it's Blackstone or other private equity, or um, even sometimes it's governments themselves um, putting in place things that are really making life difficult for tenants. And so I, I think that's really interesting. I'd like to know if Florian, like how can you remember, like, how did it begin? Was there a trigger? Was there a moment? Um, or, yeah, I just I have no idea how Berlin became such this hot spot. It began like, I would say, eight years before, 10, eight years, when people noticed that there is a problem. There's a problem with rising rents. And the government it was a social democrat government. Um, I think in coalition with uh, conservatives, they said, oh, no problem. We don't have any problem here. And they also said things like, not everybody has the right to live in the center of the city. Mm -hmm. so, so there was a, a really um, a position against the Berlin government. And then we had a, a group of people who, who managed to, to organize a public votation. Um, that that can in the Berlin Constitution, so like a referendum really, or referendum, yeah. exactly a referendum. They can propose a law, and they did it. And it was interesting because when they had all the signatures signatures to to then take the next step, then the the government, the last government, not the actual government, they start to negotiate with them because they 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 see. It would would be a great success, and it would be really uh, a problem for them politically. So they negotiated with them new a new law and some new structures. But the next government, the actual government, really put that 
um, on well, they, they they installed it, um, and now we we also um, have some changes that are really based on these negotiations with that initiatives about the referendum. So referendums are kind of mechanism in Berlin that also worked for other stuff for like mobility issues and also for the the big big former airport Tempelhofer Feld to keep it free of building and to make it a free a place of freedom and um, of green um, and leisurement. So this is one moment in the Berlin history of the last 10 years that this referendum initiative pushed politics. But it's I mean I mean the conclusion from from outside is that Berlin has very active citizens, citizens that really believe in the power of of being a citizen and 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 using the the democratic tools that are in front of them. And it's it's quite inspirational. And, and last week in in this uh, pushback talks, we had uh, Jaime Palomares from Barcelona in, and he said when they were proposing a new legislation in in Catalonia. They were looked at Berlin. I guess you were in talks with them because you, I know you are also yeah. have a, have your you have deep roots also in Catalonia. So you're you're in in connection. But it's but it's but it's Berlin is the. I mean, in active citizens, Berlin and and, and Spain has a lot in common. So you are actually inspiring many of us. But I can also see that uh, it seems like the city in the legislation has more in the toolbox than other cities around the world have. For example, there's a preemption right. So if there is a deal going on, the city can actually go in and stop it and say, no, no, we want to, we want to make this deal. So the city is actually can be quite proactive in, in pushing them the market. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, this is really <laughs> the, 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 the issue which is mostly connected with also my personality in my function as a city district councillor. The right um, of pre, how do you say? Preemption, pre, preemption right. Preemption right, yeah. This is based in the federal, gov- uh, federal law of, let's say, construction law, of, of urbanism law. It means that in in some areas that must be declared areas of social protection because of some um, processes you can you have to observe them scientifically that people are pushed out for example or there's a danger that people are pushed out so the structure of the city is changing so then you have the right to to avoid um, owners modernize their houses and that would cause uh, higher rents, so you can avoid these modernizations. This is the main issue about these areas of protection, but you also have the right to buy in, to um, to buy buildings when another person is buying it as, as a city, as a district in this case. So the districts of Berlin, we have 12, have the right to buy. And this started also... Um, uh, in, a, in a moment before the, we started this new legislation, which ends next year. So when I come to the office, uh, it was already prepared. And it was also in the district of Friedrichshain-Kreuzberg, where the people asked the, the local government to do it. Because there were some cases where they, people saw, wow, someone is selling as, their house, another one is buying it, but this is a corrupt, a kind of corrupt uh, business. So... We asked now the, the council 
the, the city councillor, the district councillor to, to, to use this instrument which have never been used in Berlin. This is the story you're talking about in, in, push, in, in push when you're interviewed by me in Berlin. Uh, yeah. You talk about this, you're, you're actually buying houses uh, so you can keep people staying in your town. So uh, are you still doing this? Are you still buying houses? <laughs> yes, are we still doing it? Um, We have, um, I think, in, in, in my district, it's, a, it's about 40 houses and over 500 flats. And, but on the other hand, the, 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 the buyer has also the, the possibility to sign a contract when, and he, he obliges himself to, to protect the people. So right. there's a double effect. Every, every time we buy, we also pushing people, pushing other buyers to, to sign these kind of contracts. It's, it's a way of not spending too much money because money is also a resource, I guess. So it's, it's, a, it's a way of using the law, but then to negotiate with the, with the new owner so they actually behave like a more responsible landlord. That's what we all need in the world. We don't, we're not against landlords. We just want responsible landlords. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and there are some they they're buying it, and they in 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 that um, let's say their business plan they're including this kind of contract. They say, oh, club, we we will sign it, of course. And others who say, oh, I will try not to sign it, and maybe they buy it, maybe not. So different cases. Now we have also a kind of movement that people say, okay, we want to buy it ourselves, not as a private person to then maybe resell it now, but as a cooperative, mm. as a collective property. So this is, we have short time, it's only two months. Now the government, the federal government will, will rise in it to three months, which is uh, the time we have to, to use this, this right from the moment on that when we know there's something going on. So people now really in this short time, they're trying to find a cooperation or sometimes they'll found an, a, a proper one And and then it's it's really like people want to have their own houses. But this is like this limited this uh, limited companies where people are not people are not able to to resell their own apartments. So it's like it's people can make they cannot make a profit from their own. Yeah, and it's not it's not particular flats. It's a, a it's still a, a, a building mm -hmm. then. So it really makes sense. And there's also. A question with a, which is also debated here in Berlin, if if this is good or not. But I am one of the the person who says this is interesting, because um, if people put their own money in in this procedure, um, and it's like not speculative money. It's not like they want to have a a, a profit then twenty years after, but they can take the money as well. They, some people now they're paying some hundred euros per square, each square meter in, in this kind of project. But it's for them, it's more or less, okay, I, I'm, I will have this money later. So, and I'm investing in my own um, security and in the city, city's structure um, to, to keep it away from these investment. The vulture funds, <laughs> yes. the vulture yeah. money, the pension funds. But Leilani, I mean, I think there is here somewhere like a message to political activists, to mayors, to elected officials around the world. Florian is from the Green Party in Berlin. Uh, the government in Berlin are social democratic. 
the social democratic government 10 years ago sold out a lot of the public housing. Now they're buying back. The, the mayor actually said uh, it was a mistake selling out. So, I mean, to all of you out there who've been, been happy with the, this kind of more deregulated housing market, maybe it's time to back down and say, okay, maybe it has gone too far because now our houses in our cities become an investment object for, for big money, big money that with no local roots. So, I, I mean, this is a message. I think you should all plan when the pandemic is over, plan a visit to Berlin, go and talk to Florian and his colleagues and have a look into the movement. There's a lot, to, there's a lot of inspiration coming out from Berlin. But what's so amazing, like as an outsider and, a, and someone working at the global level, uh, what's so amazing about Berlin to me is that the as you've said Florian the people of Berlin first of all recognize that they are and can be active citizens of the city and more than that um, they recognize that housing is a deeply political issue and one of the most major issues affecting their everyday lives. And they're taking it very seriously and forcing governments at all levels to engage in the housing discussion as a matter of being able to live a decent life. And for me, I take a lot of inspiration in that because as I travel the world, I'm still having to convince some governments that housing is a central issue that it is as important as climate change and it's clear when I'm talking to Berliners and when I'm in Berlin I have that sense of, of it's not that you know we shouldn't work on climate but only to say that this is such a pressing issue I think the pandemic ex has exposed it even more um, and and that there are really interesting solutions out there legislative solutions as well as these more practical solutions like the idea of cooperatives and land you know community land trusts etc um, and that we we need to start looking at this I think intergenerationally Frederick um, knows his film Push has been incredibly uh, well received and warmly received by young people and that says something and, and so has our podcast in fact and and that says something to me. It says to me that young people understand that this issue is a matter for them as they move forward or try to move forward with their lives. And so we need to start imagining housing in the future. And, and that's what I like about these community land trusts and cooperatives. I, I don't have a, I don't have a, oh, that's the best solution or, you know, but I think they're interesting, as you said, Florian, because it starts it starts that conversation about how do we ensure affordability for young people so they can live in the cities where they want to live. You know, I mean, we're, I think young people are pretty scared about that. They're looking, oh, oh, I can go to, I mean, they can't even go to university where they would like to in so many places because they can't afford, Frederick and I did a podcast on this, they can't afford to live in the city where the university is. They're sleeping in their cars in some cases, you know, it's... It's a, I, I'm interested to know, too, are the Berliners who are on the streets, do they tend to be young as well? Yes, yes, they tend to be young. And I think it's, a, it's a, mix, a, a mix between this, what you are saying, that people really think, okay, this is our future. And, and the other thing is that there are some young people in Berlin are, are, are more interested in politics. One, one, I think one, one thing is that in Berlin right now, we have a government which is doing good, 
but there is still not a strategy formulated about what's going on in the next 30 years. Mm. So it's like, okay, five years this, um, okay, we buy here, we buy there. And what, what is now go, what now will happen is because of elections as well, that everybody is now thinking, okay, but what's on the long run, this, uh, the, the story? What's, what can we do on the long run? What, what's really the, the aim? And I think one thing is, um, of course, continue a, a strong regulation, like rent cap two maybe, but on the other hand also to, to go on buying and buying back, and there are different ideas how to do it, but if we now have in Berlin, and there are different statistics in different cities, like 25% of the housing stock is, is like not private. Um, it's in the city hands or cooperatives or foundations, whatever. And we push it already on maybe from 25 to 27 in this last four years, which is not so bad. It's like a, yeah. Two percentage of of the whole whole stock is not. It's it's a lot, so if we, if we project this to thirty years in thirty years, then we really have the opportunity to to make this private, not non-private, non-profit sector bigger, and maybe then in some days, some days people. I I I I, I analyzed a little bit um, children books about this issue. There's, there's also always a story that a bad investor in cooperation with the city wants to put uh, on a sport place a shopping center or for, for, for girls it's a pony, the, the horse um, <laughs> ranch. <laughs> they want to put a shopping center on the horse ranch for children. <laughs> and this image is really deeply rooted in the consciousness of the people that real estate is of investors and the city is cooperating with investors. So we have to change this. And we can change it also if we have a long-term strategy. And But this strategy will never be monolithic. It, it must be some, maybe 10, 10 different sub-strategies. But to make it, to, to, to make it a plan is, is a thing with, which I'm working, working on now with other peoples, also from Green Party. And um, to really call everybody to collaborate in this plan and make, make the city different in, in some years. I think it's interesting when you talk about this sense of the, the city is ours, you know, so when the, this kind of relation between the city and the investors is like a, a relation that it's happening beyond us. There was this amazing story from Istanbul where they were about to build a shopping mall in the Gessin Park, like in the middle, like a loved park in Istanbul. And it, you know, it like it one day it was like, a few hundred protests and the police came and smashed them. The day after, there were like 2,000 people and the police came and smashed them. The day three, it was many, many more. The police came. Day four, it was 2 million people all over Turkey. So it's like you can feel that there is something. Sometimes the politicians, and in a very corrupt relation to the real estate industry, is stepping too much on... Of on the on, of the feelings of the people, or the the feeling of this is our city, and you you don't you can't come here and just put your ugly face on top of it, and I think this 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 resistance is existing all over the the world, but of course it's it's tough to go up against this, and of course then the politicians and the industry have 
this kind of political language that sells is this, this is good for development or you don't like that you're anti-development blah 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 you know that's mm -hmm. it's all this language so socialist you're socialist yeah yeah and then they they have this the red <laughs> card uh, the communist card but it's interesting in 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 germany because it's it that conflict is not so obvious because the movement has been able to move also more traditional uh, uh, liberal uh, right-wing people into understanding that yes housing is a human right this mm. is the language of leilani farah housing <laughs> is a human right and this when i when i checked the, the german debate housing is a human right is up there all the time and leilani i think your 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 work has has had some impact i don't know what impact it's had but i you know we have to keep reiterating that it is this this uh, human right. I think that's uh, super important, especially because the government of Germany itself at national level is quite committed to housing as a human right. When I was the UN Special Rapporteur, they were very supportive of my mandate. They continue to be supportive of the mandate, and they have been since it was first established. And so so it does mean something to them. And so it's really important to keep, to keep that pressure on them to come good and uh, do what's necessary to protect that right. Do you, do you have any, any final message from Berlin to, to our listeners, Florian? Well, I think Berlin is a really international city and a lot of, let me call, expats here, we, they're also uh, fighting with us here. It's not about, um, how, as some people now uh, who are against all this kind of rebellion, they say, oh, you want to, 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 to shut down Berlin, you want only for the Berliners, and that's not true. We are here really fighting for that everybody can live in the city with affordable conditions and there are also another projects it's not only about housing it's also about climate change about mobility to to take back the streets as well so i think really inspiring city right now and um a lot of a lot to do and with with the international network networks who are really present here it's uh, much more interesting for everybody to come to Berlin and to go to the world from Berlin. <laughs> That's, it's nice. I love to close on a positive note because, yes. you know, we are like optimists. And I think that by seeing people fighting back, pushing back, as we say, around the world, uh, you, you get inspiration. And I, I also want Pushback Talks to be an inspirational uh, podcast. And friends out there... Uh, Check out Pushback Talks, share with friends. If you want to support us financially, go to patreon.com, uh, look for Pushback Talks. You can then support us every month. It helps a lot because it's tough to, to run this without any money. But cool. Thank you for, for being with us, Florian. And Leilani, do you have any final positive notes and flowers do. to send out i have lots of flowers <laughs> and lots of positivity because it's so nice to be in conversation with you florian and you frederick because i need inspiration the the work i'm doing with the shift is i sometimes feel very lonely and so Aww. inspiration from berlin is really wonderful uh, so thank you so much florian and all those out in berlin who have been really pushing to make change thank you frederick to invite me and and you 
Thank you very much, Florian. And thank you, Leilani. And go and look for Tiger Spiegel, the story about Blackstone. You can see 18, 18 different companies to own the house in Berlin. And the people living in the house don't even know who owns the building. Uh, so journalism can also make a big difference. And so keep telling stories, keep fighting back, pushing back. See you soon. Ciao, Leilani. Bye, Frederick. Pushback Talks is produced by WG Film. To watch Push, visit pushthefilm.com. You can also support us by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash pushbacktalks. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you again next week.